If you got your copy of God's Word, turn to the book of the Psalms tonight. Uh, we're going to Psalm 103. Uh, I know that, you know, I've been touching on several different Psalms here as of late, and I think that the reason that is, is that is where I have been in my personal devotion time. Therefore, um, sometimes God begins to, as He speaks to me, He shares things to share with you. And so, uh, perhaps that is why we've been taking some detours from our um, series that we have been in, like the Beatitudes. Um, but it's always a joy when God takes you on a detour, okay? So um, everything comes about according to God's providence and His plan, so I don't get upset about that, and I hope you don't either, all right? But we're going to look at Psalm 103 tonight. I, I want to uh, read to you uh, the first five verses of Psalm 103. This is one of David's, and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is God's holy word. I would drop over this section of Psalm 103, this title, for those of you that like to write a title down, it would simply be this, God-centered thanksgiving. God-centered thanksgiving. And it's quite appropriate, I think, for us to go here tonight because last week, while I was waiting on the ice cream to melt, although it wasn't really melting, it was hardening, as it was packed in those machines, um, we went to, in a brief devotional thought, we went to um, a verse out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, and we, we heard clearly what God's will was for you and for me. And that is that we give thanks to the Lord in all circumstances. Well, here tonight, in order to help us to see what we can be thankful for as Christians, as people who have been born again by the Spirit of God, there are some awesome things that David is giving thanks to the Lord for in this text, for our instruction, for our understanding, so that when you and I might, be, might have the tendency to sit back and say, well, my life is just, is just falling apart and I don't see anything to be thankful for. If you're a Christian, that's a lie. You've got plenty to be thankful for. And we need to see these things and we need to rejoice in these things and we need to consider these things. Now, those of you that are observant, you may be looking at Psalm 103 and those verses, and 
I'm titling this God-centered thanksgiving, and my titles usually come out of the exposition of the text itself and the wording and the language, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, Pastor, I don't see the word thanks there. I don't see the word thanksgiving there. Hey, where are you coming from? Well, just hold on, and I'll let you know while I'm saying that. Um, here... Uh, in the ESV, it uses the term bless. I think the King James may use that term as well. Now, if you have an NIV with you tonight, it doesn't use the term bless. It uses the term praise. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Now, to let you in on something, the word that is actually written there in the Hebrew that is translated bless or praise, depending on your translation, it is yada. Now, that term is a, is, a, is a comprehensive term. It's probably best to translate it bless, but it's a, it's a comprehensive term that gives about three implications with it that come with it, and that is that it, it has this threefold meaning. There is this strong sense of affection towards God implied in that. There is this strong sense of gratitude implied in that. And then there is a sense of praise implied in that. And they all sort of work together. So I'm not crazy when I tell you that this is about Thanksgiving tonight. It comes out of that word. And David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is thinking about some things to be thankful over, blessing the Lord and praising the Lord. And as he's thinking about, the, listen, these things, as we consider them and we consider how they are for us too, Christian, they're like 50 megaton explosions of thanksgiving in this text. So let's walk through it. And don't, don't look with a long face, but there's about seven of them in those five verses that I want you to think about tonight, okay? Now, let's, let's walk through this text and let's think, what, what can we thank God for? Well, starting in verses 1 and the first part of verse 2, we thank God, and David is thanking God, simply for who God is. What does David say? He says, bless the Lord, or thank the Lord, or praise the Lord. O oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless or praise or thanks for His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul. His focus is on God. Matter of fact, when he says, bless the Lord, bless His holy name, the name of God, the name of God encapsulates the, the reality of who God is. David starts out there. David starts out praising him for that. That's, that's where he rightfully begins this jubilation of praise and thanksgiving and blessing the Lord is with the reality of who God is. Who God is. Um, this is, this God-centeredness beginning in God. It is the foundation of all true and genuine and authentic thanksgiving. It is. It is 
It is this God-centeredness is this, and beginning in God, this is the reservoir, the reservoir of thanksgiving from which all tributaries of thanksgiving flow. This God-centeredness. And so David thanks God to begin with, not for what God can do for him or does for him, but for who he is. Simply for who he is. Now, in the middle of verse 2, David makes an explicit, I'm using, I'm, I'm careful with my terms, he's using, he makes an explicit shift into blessing and praising God for all his benefits. Okay? But I want to suggest to you with this explicit shift, there are some implicit realities and that implicitly he is still continuing on the same God-centered pathway. Even though he's talking about what the Lord has done for him. Um, he, he is thanking God for who God is and thanking God for what he has done. You say, wait a minute, I don't understand that. We see the same water that is contained in the God-centered reservoir, as I called it, is the same water that is flowing through the tributaries. You say, wait a minute, explain, Scott, what do you mean by that? Well, this is what I mean. Think of it like this. What God does, God does because of who God is. Okay. I'll say that again. What God does, God does because of who God is. God does not do what God is not. God does who he is, okay? That's, that's reality. For example, what is David about to thank you for? What are we about to walk through here as we, we're in this text? David is thanking God for forgiveness. David is thanking God for healing. David is thanking God for redemption. He's thanking Him for love. He's thanking Him for mercy. He's thanking Him for satisfaction. These are benefits of God bestowed on Him. But the reason those benefits are bestowed on Him is because God is the forgiver. God is the healer. God is the redeemer. God is love. God is merciful. God is the soul satisfaction. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. So, David is still, even though he's talking about what he's doing, there's a way to talk about what God does for you in a way that throws the light on God and not on you. Okay? And that's what David is doing. David, even though he's talking about how God has touched his life and what God has done for him, he is still throwing the light on God. And he's blessing the Lord. He's blessing his holy name. He's thanking for who God is. So, let's walk through these benefits of God that David has known and that we know and we should know in an even greater way because we have the, new, the, the light of the new covenant. He was looking forward to Messiah coming. We look back and now see Messiah who has come. Which ought to amplify our thanksgiving, in my opinion.
So, let's think about these things. Number two. Number one was he's giving thanks for who God is. Number two, he gives thanks for forgiveness. Listen to what he says in verse 3. The first part of verse 3, he says, um, well, we're going to read verse 2 again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Verse 2, who forgives all your iniquity, all your perversion of the things of God. He forgives. He forgives it. All of it. All of it was paid at Calvary. All of it was. All of it. He forgives all of your sin. Now Christian, that is a great thing. That is the great need of humanity. This thing called forgiveness. You remember that at one time we were burdened by judicial we carried the burden of judicial guilt. I mean, we were guilty before God. We were guilty. We carried the burden of the, the guilt. Our sins loomed large. The cords of death were entangled around our necks, pulling us down below the surface of the waters of the wrath of God and we were being taken straight down into a fiery pit which was our doom and our destiny and rightfully so because we were guilty and worthy of eternal damnation and if God did nothing to free us from it he would be right and just and it would have been good. But see, God didn't do that. God forgave our sins when we were enemies of God. While we were yet sinners, He demonstrated His love for us. Wow. While God was not our loving Savior, but really... While we were enemies dead in our sins and trespasses, He was our destroyer. But the destroyer became the deliverer. That the damned might be delivered <laughs> and forgiven. Wow. You see, some of us, to use and plagiarize the words of the Apostle Paul, I don't guess that's plagiarism when it's the Paul, is it? It's 1 Corinthians 6, he would use this language. He, he said, this, and it's not plagiarism if I, give him a, if, I, if I give him credit for it anyway. But anyway, um, we were, some of us like this, we were, we were, some of us were sexually immoral, we were idolaters, we were thieves, adulterers, homosexuals, greedy, drunkards, and liars. We were barred from the kingdom of heaven. We had no hope of it. We were children of the devil and rightly sentenced to eternal damnation. Ah, but as Paul says, after he says that type of stuff about sinners living in sin, living a life of sin, but such, he goes on and says, were past tense. Some of you, that you've been washed, you've been justified, you've been sanctified by the Spirit and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and all your stuff has been wiped clean. Clean. Justified. Just as if you had never sinned to begin with. 
That's why Paul can write a motley crew like the Corinthian church and he starts out before he pulls out his whip and gets on them about all the junk in their midst and he addresses them as saints. Not because of their behavior, but because of Christ's accomplishment. Now, David had discovered the reality of verse 10 and verse 11 that he mentions in Psalm 103. Verse 10 says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. Wow. That is powerful. He has removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. That is a beautiful picture of forgiveness. And that forgiveness that you and I have, we need to be thankful for, that is the great need of the human race. People crave it. Uh, a lady by the name of Dr. Lasky. She was a secular humanist, atheist, died back in the, the late 80s. She was uh, also, she wrote novels. I, I can't, I'm not, can't remember all of what she did, but in a television in, interview once, she got real honest. And this was not long before she died, which makes this even that much more tragic. But she said this. She said, you Christians have something that I do not have. You have someone to forgive you. I have no one. Wow. It's the great need. It's the great need of people. I read another thing. I don't know whether it's true or not. It was a sp Spanish story of a father and son. They had been separated, estranged from one another. I don't know what kind of argument. I don't know what happened. The father had been trying to find the son. His name was Paco for months. Couldn't find him. Finally, he decided to put an ad in a Madrid newspaper in Spain. And it's the ad simply said... Um, you know, your, your dad, Paco, your father is, is, is looking for you. Um, all is forgiven. I love you. Meet me at such and such time at the address wherever this newspaper was. At that particular time, on that particular Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for their fathers because they needed forgiveness and they needed to hear that love affirmation. It is the great need. It is the great need. And we who are Christ's have it. Listen, I don't care how bad your day is. Your day is never bad as it is for the, for the rich man that's in hell. And you can thank God for the forgiveness that you have. The forgiveness that you have in your life when you know... You, you, listen... Be thankful for it. Be thankful for it. 
David goes on and he gives, not only gives thanks for forgiveness, but the third thing he does, he gives thanks for healing. Now I'm going to try not to get in trouble here. I'm not going to get in trouble, I'm just going to tell you the truth. But I want you to listen very carefully as I talk through this, okay? Or you'll go out of here saying something I didn't say. And I'll say, well, I got proof. It's recorded. <laughs> okay. All right. But listen to the, 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 the statement. He goes on and he says, he says, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who heals all your diseases. How many diseases did he heal? All. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Now listen, I don't want you to be deceived, but I want you to hear what I'm fixing to say to you, and then I'll explain it to you, okay? But at the cross, Jesus accomplished all that is needed for the healing of your spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Now listen to me, all right? We Baptists tend to get stuck on spirit only, and we sort of throw the, the, the body out the window, and probably the soul too. But let me read to you something that Jesus said. Let me, let, me set, let, me, let, me, let me set the atoning sacrifice of Christ in the context of Matthew chapter 8, where the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, is, um, is, is quoted. Beginning in verse 14 of Matthew 8, it says, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses, and he bore our sickness or our diseases. Now, why are not all healed right now? If Jesus heals all our diseases, why are all not healed right now? This very second. Well, to assume that what Jesus accomplished on the cross in terms of healing from disease, because you realize sickness is a result of the fall. It's part of the curse, okay? To assume that that means that you're going to be healed right now just because you asked right now, that is an assumption and that's sort of health and wealth rabble, okay? All right, that's, that's not exactly what he's getting at. And you might not be healed right for multiple reasons. But there, here's, the, here's the main thing, okay? The perfect fullness of the healing that Jesus Christ has accomplished, body, soul, and spirit for us, is not a guarantee of experience until final salvation. Oh gosh, you're using all kinds of terminology with us, Pastor. What do you mean? Well, I'm saying that Jesus has done everything to heal you of everything, body, soul, and spirit. And that is God's will for His child, but it is not necessarily realized until you see Him. 
<laughs> we think about, we, all we do is focus on temporary things and temporary terms. And right now, do you understand that when you see him, you shall receive a glorified body and you shall be like him and there will be no more sickness and no more pain. And in that moment, you are healed. You are completely healed. And the healing that he bought for you at Calvary is yours. However, because He has done this for you and He has satisfied all that is needed from the redemption, from the sickness that has come because of sin, because of the fall of man, then any child of God right now can relentlessly prove, pursue God and ask Him for healing now. And God sometimes chooses to give you a taste here and now of what He has accomplished for you in all of eternity. You're looking at a miracle right now. And miracles still happen. Miracles of healing still happen. But they're still God's choice, God's sovereign choice. But the ultimate reality is he will, all children of God will be healed. We just want everything now. We want our best life now. But the best is yet to come. Now, I make some folks mad with that, but I don't care. Give thanks for healing. He gave thanks for healing. You can give thanks to the Lord because of what you have. You were healed at the cross. You're healed in the new covenant of His blood. And Christians, you can freely pursue a taste of that now. David is thanking the healer for his healing. Okay? Number four. He gives thanks for redemption. Listen in verse number four of Psalm 103, what, what he says... He says, he, who redeems you. What's he doing? Forgetting all, all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases. Here it is, verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. Who redeems your life from the pit. Give thanks to God for redemption. To, re, be, to redeem, it means to buy back. The Father has bought you back. You were sold as a slave to sin. You were sold to a, as a slave to sin and you were traveling down a road that ended at this beautiful lake. Except it was flaming and on fire. But he bought you out of that. Through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He bought us and He rescued us from that pit. When I think about redemption, it makes me want to sing, but I'm not. I'll just quote. You sing it. You know it well. Redeemed, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Thank God for that, for redemption. Number five, 
Give thanks for His great love. He goes on in verse 4 and He says, Who redeems your life from the pit and who crowns you with steadfast love. Christian, we are the recipients of a special love. I would even venture to call it and are quite comfortable with referring to it as a special electing love. A love that is eternal and that is steadfast and that is unchanging. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, the end of verse 4, bleeding over into verse 5, he said this, In love. In love. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Now, this is a beautiful thing. That God set His affections on His people in eternity past. And we who are the objects of that love We who are the objects of that love have received an inseparable bond of love with the Father. And it is a beautiful thing. It is a mind-blowing thing. Before you were born and did either good or bad, God had set His love on you. Wow. David says of this love, listen to what David says of it over in verse 17. He says, talking about the steadfast love of God, he says, But the steadfast love of the Lord, that is Yahweh, the steadfast love of Yahweh is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. Do do you hear that? To me, that's mind-blowing. To think about that. That this love was set on us in eternity past. And it's from eternity to eternity. (laughs) Do you hear that? Do you hear that? that? That means that God is going to love the Christian a quadrillion years from now with the same intensity and passion that he had a quadrillion years ago. It is unchanging. It is steadfast. It is from eternity to eternity. And it is not established or connected in you. It begins in God and comes out from Him. For God is love. This steadfast love is so great. The psalmist over in one, Psalm 136 gives 25 verses of thanksgiving to God for that steadfast love. He starts out in verse 1. I'm not going to read all of them, so you don't have to worry about that. In verse 1 he says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him 
by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever to him who spread out the earth above the waters for his steadfast love endures forever and he goes on and he goes on and he goes on and with an ending bookend he caps on at the end of Psalm 136 the same cap that he gave at the beginning and says give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and for the Christian it is not conditioned upon you but it is established upon who God is. Wow! That is amazing to me. Number six. Give thanks for His mercy. Listen to what he else says over in, in, in verse 4 of Psalm 103. He says this. He says, Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love, and... It's not just the steadfast love and mercy. And mercy. You see, God, because He set His love on us so deeply, He could not leave us dead in our sins and our trespasses. He couldn't do it. So in His mercy, He was moved to make us alive. And as objects of His mercy, His mercies for us are new every morning, for they endure forever. So let's thank Him for His mercy. I love the words of Paul again in Ephesians, but this time chapter 2. This is my testimony, and it is your testimony if we are a Christian. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 2. And you... We're dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, who were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But, <laughs> verse 4, but, God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He has loved us. Loved us, not just anybody, but loved us, Christian. Because of which He has loved us even while we were dead in our trespasses made us alive. That's salvation. That's conversion. That's supernatural. You don't do it. God does it. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that the coming, in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward, toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which He predestined that we should walk in. That's the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, there's one other thing. A seventh thing. Seven. I like ending in sevens. It's perfect. It's my favorite number. 
I don't like them three-point sermons. They get on my nerves. (laughs) Seven. Give thanks for His absolute satisfaction. In verse 5 of Psalm 103. Verse 5. Listen to what He says. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Christian, there is nothing this world has to offer that can satisfy the longings of our heart. Nothing. There's no paycheck big enough. There's no sin pleasurable enough. There's no pastime or leisure relaxing enough. Not that could ever lead us to rest in absolute satisfaction. But in Christ Jesus, our good and great shepherd, we find that so that we're never wanting for anything but are satisfied with Him. Wow. God is our satisfaction. And in that satisfaction, He can renew our spiritual vitality regardless of our chronological age. That's good. So, Christian, what would I say to you tonight? Thank you. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Bless Him. Thank Him. Praise Him. Wow. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed.